Hi, you're listening to It Happened to Me, a rare disease and medical challenges podcast. The mission of our podcast is to support you, our listeners, and to create community as you confront the toughest challenges in life. All of us will experience health hardships. The real question is how we adapt. That's the focus of It Happened to Me, which wants to help you overcome limitations and live a full and satisfying life. Drawing on their own health challenges, co-hosts Kathy Gildenhorn and Beth Glassman interview guests who share stories and research to help you succeed in the face of difficult health obstacles. It happened to me, I'm not alone, and neither are you. Our guest on It Happened to Me today is Dr. Essen Akpek. Dr. Akpek is the Bendham Family Professor of ophthalmology at the Wilmer Eye Institute, the John Hopkins University Medical School. She is recognized as the world-renowned leader in advanced corneal transplantation, stem cell transplantation, and ocular surface reconstruction procedures. Her area of expertise is in the fields of ocular surface diseases and corneal transplantation. Dr. Ekpek serves as the Director of Ocular Surface Disease at Dry Eye Clinic at Wilmer. Dr. Ekpek's current research centers around developing a synthetic corneal device for patients who are at high risk of failure with donor corneal transplantation. In today's episode, we are going to discuss dry eye, what it is and what we can do to relieve it with the expert in the field, Dr. Essen Akpak. I wanna disclose, I'm a patient of Dr. Akpak's. She combines the rare talent of super surgical skill and tremendous patient empathy. And trust me, that is an unusual combination. Dr. Akpak, it is truly an honor to have you here today. So let's start with the basics, Dr. Akpak. What is dry eye? Well, first of all, thank you for the opportunity to speak today. I am really appreciative of the nice introduction too. Thank you. Um, dry eye is a very common uh, condition of the tear film and ocular surface. It is not just dryness of the eye. It's inflammatory condition that leads to dryness and sometimes even scarring of the corneal surface. In its uh, mild form, it is very common, but it could become severe. And when it is severe, it can affect vision. Can contact lenses cause dry eye or make dry eye worse? Yes, definitely. Um, Long-term contact lenses can make dry eye worse. And in fact, they can cause dry eye um, from the novo. So contact lenses interfere with um, corneal sensation. When there's decrease of corneal sensation, pain sensation, there's decrease of tear production and decrease of eyelid blinking. And both of those conditions are drying to the ocular surface. Also, contact lenses are known to irritate the lid margins and interfere with meibomian gland secretions. They can make the glands inflamed and, uh, and that can lead to um, uh, dysfunction of the glands with low-grade infection and oil-deficient dry eye. 
Hmm. And what illnesses contribute to dry eye? That is an excellent condition, excellent question. There are several conditions, medical conditions that can um, cause dry eye or they are associated with dry eye. For example, diabetes is a very common condition and it is associated with dry eye. There are also less common conditions, but less well known. For example, autoimmune diseases, one of which is Sjogren's disease. Sjogren's disease is not a very common disease not like diabetes, but it is as common as, um, for example, rheumatoid arthritis, but it is a lot less well-known. Sjogren's involves middle-aged women. Women to men, is the ratio is about nine to one. And unfortunately, there's a lag, about, lag of about 10 years between the onset of symptoms and the diagnosis of Sjogren's. Therefore, I always consider a possibility of underlying Sjogren's in any dry eye patient that comes in for evaluation. You know, Dr. Akpak, we have uh, discussed with many patients on our show who have suffered with autoimmune diseases. Um, we still don't quite understand why they present themselves or why they may retreat um, and Sjogren's is very similar to these other autoimmune diseases. So to our listeners, we discuss BP, we discuss MMN, we discuss Crohn's, we discuss uveitis. And this is just another one of these diseases where the body, for some reason, is attacking itself. And in this way, it causes dry eye. And I've also believed, Dr. Akbar, dry mouth, correct? Yes, yes. Dry eye, dry mouth, fatigue, and joint pains are the cardinal symptoms of Sjogren's. The importance of Sjogren's is that even though it is not less common than the other autoimmune diseases, it is a lot less well-known. And the lag in diagnosing the disease is highest by about a decade between the onset of symptoms and the diagnosis. So it is very important. And obviously it's also very, very important to me because great majority of the patients are women. And didn't one of the Williams sisters, one of the tennis players, have Sjogren's, Dr. Yes. yes, yes, yes. And it so we may close. have, our listeners may have heard about it through her. Sometimes it takes a celebrity to make us aware of a disease. You said it well. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> now, Dr. Akpak, how about dryness in the home? Can that also contribute to dry eye? Absolutely. Eyes, the eye surface is exposed to environmental conditions. Desiccation in the air where we stay, for example, workplace or bedroom can play a role. For example, we know that a lot of patients uh, report worsening of their dry eye in certain climates, for example, in Colorado when they're doing uh, mountain climbing, or it gets worse at uh, movie theaters where there's dust and dirt and carpeting, or Airplane air, the when mm. the humidity is low. Obviously, mm. body hydration also has a toll on the dry eye and dry mouth. So hydration, cleaning the air, and some level of humidity are important. Can also certain medications contribute to dry eye, Dr. Akpak? Yes, that's actually um, an excellent question. The very well-known ones are, for example, High blood pressure medications, diuretics, oh. right? Yes. 
And mm -hmm. also, for example, anti-depression pills, anti-anxiety pills, all are drying um, to the eye surface and the mouth as well. Um, less well-known things are the natural diuretics, for example, alcohol or caffeine. Wow. So if as a patient, if you were to tell your physician, gee, I have dry eye, might they prescribe something that would be easier on your eyes and still alleviate the problem with which you're suffering? Yes, yes, definitely. So I think that um, the, the, the current problem is that there's not much crosstalk amongst the specialties. I think it is the patient's responsibility to sort yes. of like inform their um, providers about um, comorbid conditions. Now, I read somewhere that marijuana also contributes to dry eye. Is that true? That is definitely true, yes. And and even just um, regular, you know, cigarette smoking um, can Does contribute, it? yes. Hmm. Hmm. Now, is dry eye classified into different levels? So some people maybe have a mild case and others have a severe case. Yes, yes. So dry eye can be mild and episodic. In, in fact, about half of the patients with dry eye have milder disease. What that really means is that under certain circumstances, patients feel the dryness and the discomfort and blurred vision, which are the cardinal symptoms of dry eye. Uh, but for example, uh, when they're not at work or when, you know, during leisurely time, they feel better. Um, or if they are avid readers, they feel the dryness during reading. They're unable to sustain um, the reading, for example, book reading. Um, we don't mean uh, reading to write a check, but reading um, a book or a magazine. Um, also, obviously, um, some of the patients have more moderate disease, which is about perhaps 25% of the patients. They have some level of dryness, no matter what, but it still fluctuates. It, it can get better and worse according to the hydration of the body, the environmental um, situations such as um, desiccation of the environment or the humidity level or the amount of work, visual work that an individual is doing. But once it is severe, it's always present. It usually does not get better unless it is treated by a medical professional. Um, mm -hmm. And it can cause um, very um, um, significant decrease uh, in quality of life. And there are patients who are actually on disability because they can't perform their work. If they're, for example, office worker, they can't uh, perform their work because they can't keep their eyes open once the dry eye becomes severe. And also we uh, care for a lot of patients with severe dry eye and corneal um, scratches, even ulcers and perforation. It is rare, but it does happen. And a lot of the times these patients or their providers, the referring physicians, don't even know that it's because of the dry eye. For example, oh my these goodness. are the patients. Oh, oh wow. yes. Yes. For example, these are the patients with Sjogren's disease or graft versus host disease um, or Steven Johnson syndrome. You know, they are they are they have a, a, a comorbid condition that um that gives them significant dry eye and inflammation of the eye surface. This is much more than comfort. You're talking about a dry eye isn't just about uh, a comfortable eye, 
but it's really about vision and and losing vision due to dryness. Well, Beth, you you said it really well. So the least well-known aspect of dry eye, two things actually, two aspects. One, that even when it is mild to moderate, it blurs vision. It causes fluctuation of vision. For example, when you're driving at nighttime, you're trying to sustain your vision, looking at street signs and things like that, or computer work for hours, you know, let's say you're an office worker. So it blurs vision and makes it fluctuate. So you have to constantly blink to clear the vision. So that's that's the least um, of the visual um, impact that dry eye can have. But when it is at its worst, for example, if it is associated with an underlying disease like graft versus host, Sjogren's, et cetera, it can actually be blinding. Um, we will discuss the artificial cornea option. In fact, yes. that is the main reason for why I'm interested in um, developing an artificial cornea, because in those patients with corneal complications in this setting of dry eye, donor cornea doesn't work either. So um, it can, dry eye can truly be blinding. Really wow. debilitating. Very I'm debilitating. just very curious. I have a rare disease that really presents itself with diabetes or with optic neuropathy. And I'm wondering, I suffer from dry eyes, not in a debilitating way, but in a noticeable way. And I'm wondering if there's any, uh, you were talking about concomitant, um, whether there's any correlation between rare diseases with some sort of optic neuropathy and dry eye. Okay, so this is interesting because a lot of the Sjogren's patients have uh, type one diabetes and optic neuropathy as well. So autoimmune mm -hmm. disease could be not just one type of autoimmune disease. When you have autoimmune disease, you might have several different types of manifestations. And then number one, ocular finding, the most common ocular finding of any autoimmune disease is dry eye. But mm. a lot of the times patients are not so yeah. much bothered by it because they have a lot of other more significant symptoms. Unless mm. it becomes really bad, they usually disregard. And their physicians usually disregard. Huh. Mm -hmm. They have bigger well, fish to fry. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's a matter of being your own advocate and asking the right yes. questions in so many exactly ways. Exactly right. Yes. Huh. Yes. Now, if your eye looks red, should you assume you have dry eye? Well, redness is, is um, it could be a finding of dry eye. It's one of the dry eye findings, but it could be also a finding of allergy or inflammation yeah. <laughs> inside the eye. For example, yeah. um, uveitis. Uveitis. It, it could, yeah. Yes. It could be due to a number of things. It's like swelling or redness of a joint, right? It is a, it's a sign of inflammation. Dry eye is one of the ideologies that could cause red eye. Gotcha. And how do you test for dry eye? That Confirm is a, the diagnosis. Exactly. That is a very, very important question. In fact, I have a talk at the Women in Ophthalmology meeting this Friday in, uh, in Florida. It is important for providers to check for dry eye even when a patient does not complain, if the patient is at risk, for example, let's say they're using glaucoma eye drops, or they have diabetes, or they have an autoimmune condition, or they are contact lens wearers, or they are postmenopausal women. So they have to have a 
a, a, a detailed dry eye exam. A detailed dry eye exam definitely has to include ocular surface staining with vital dyes like fluorescine, the yellow eye drop, and lysamine, the green eye drop. Those are the must because without highlighting the eye surface, with using those eye drops, we cannot see the damage on the eye surface. I just want to tell our listeners that what Dr. Akpak just taught, talked about, the testing for dry eye, it doesn't hurt. Don't be scared. You won't even <laughs> notice. It's a little drop that goes in your eye. But how important, really, to tell ophthalmologists that they need to be on the lookout for this, Dr. Akpak. And how common is it that your ophthalmologist will do it if you don't ask for it? That is exactly um, true. So uh, that's the problem. A lot of the ophthalmologists do not do the vital dye staining. And without the staining, we cannot determine the severity of dry eye. Unfortunately, right now, um, the dry eye treatment is dictated by the patient complaints. What does happen, though, is that when a patient has severe dry eye, they don't have good corneal sensitivity. Their corneas become numb because they lose the density of corneal nerve plexus in the um, underneath the epithelium because of the ongoing inflammation. So they don't feel the dryness. They don't feel the pain. The only way we can diagnose those patients is to um, stain the surface with the vital, dye, vital dyes. If we don't, we won't know. So what dictates the, the treatment is patient complaints. So if a patient doesn't complain, they don't get a dry eye test. Really important to talk to your doctor Absolutely. and even more important to go every year to get your <laughs> yes. eye exam. Oh, Very yes. important because if you let it go too long, you're going to have real complications that can't be reversed. That's exactly right. Especially if you, are, if you belong to one of those populations at risk. Like mm -hmm. we cited diabetes, autoimmune disease, um, certain ocular conditions, et cetera, like glaucoma patients. So Dr. Akpak, we've talked about different causes of dry eye eye. So let's talk about some treatments. And luckily, there are a lot of treatments on the market. Can we can you discuss some of them? Sure. So um, dry eye is treated according to severity, and the severity is determined according to exam findings, not according to patient symptoms. I mean, obviously, we do care about making our, our patients comfortable, but we care more about creating a very healthy eye surface. So that's one thing to consider. Um, obviously, most of the um, dry eye is milder dry eye. Like, for example, according to estimates, there are about 25 million dry eye patients. Half of them mm. have milder dry eye. So they would respond to over-the-counter um, artificial tears. When it comes to artificial tears, um, there is one thing I wanted to mention, which I don't agree with. A lot of the times patients are told, well, just take something off the shelf and use it as many times as you want. That is wrong. Yes. That oh. is absolutely very wrong. So dry eye could be due to high levels of evaporation or high rates of evaporation, or it could be due to low rate of production. So that needs to be determined during the exam and 
artificial tears should be recommended according to that. Uh, there are like higher molecule, higher molecular um, weight artificial tears. There are artificial tears that are hypo or smaller. You know, there are different kinds that needs to be determined by the physician and recommended. So patients should not go and get some eye drops off the shelf. And these eye drops should never be used as many times as the patient feels like it, because after all, instilling eye drop on the eye surface washes out the good ingredients off of the natural tears, such as mucin and oil. Hmm. Well, Dr. Akpak, you uh really have uh, educated me about something that I did not know. I have been popping dry eye <laughs> uh, <laughs> vials in my eye uh, willy-nilly, to say the me least. Me too, um, me too. And so this is not something you recommend, and you're saying you need to talk to your doctor and get real specific instructions on how yes. to use even these over-the-counter things that we think are harmless. They're not. Is what That's you're saying. exactly right. They are not harmless. They could be abused and they could create harm. Yes. My goodness. You know, I wanted to ask you, um, those vials that we buy, are you are those single use or can you use them over and over again? I think that sustain eye drops. Yes. I think that it's all right to use a it single is. use vials multiple times. Uh -huh. But on the same day, don't just uh, leave see. them at, yeah, oh. at room temperature ah. for Yes. Oh, that's boy, that's know. something else I'm doing wrong. Yeah. Okay. Boy, and I'm I, learning a you lot. You know, today. I don't know if it's just me, but I didn't realize that dry eye was actually from the ocular surface. That, yeah. you know, I always think of it as something with, um, you know, I, I couldn't cry for years. I thought, you know, that was an indicator of dry eye. I didn't realize that there were actual surface um, ramifications to dry eye and vision loss was possible from dry eye. I never knew that. Uh, absolutely, yes. Also, you said something that is um, kind of um, an, an important, a significant thing to say in that if you can't cry, for example, during you know, watching a sad movie or like dicing onions, that could be a finding of Sjogren's. That is a very significant really? finding. Yes, it's absolutely very significant. I mean, there are a lot of patients who complain of excessive tearing and stinging in their eyes. They also have dry eye, but dry eye is not just dryness. Like we, we talked about it. It is the um, loss of homeostasis of the tears and ocular surface inflammation. But if you are unable to cry, that's mm -hmm. a very significant finding. It, it, For years. To... I mean, we're talking 10 years. Well, Kathy, I think I you think should you come need and to make an appointment. I, think <laughs> I mean, you're adding to my Kathy. menu. I have a rare genetic disease called yes. Wolfram syndrome and yes. a very rare optic neuropathy that they thought was glaucoma for 15 yeah. years, 15 okay. years. And I have a very mild presentation of it, but I never knew I needed to also be tested for this as well, relative to, I have to go ask Dr. Carey about my dry eyes and what kind of testing we've done. I'm sure we've done yes. a lot, but I don't know. I never asked. Yes, I agree with you that um, you should definitely get 
detailed dry eye testing. Okay. Well, I want to ask, what are punctual pl plugs and why are they helpful? How are they inserted? Tell me how they work, please. So punctual plugs are basically just, just like bathtub plugs. Uh, basically, they're made out of silicone, which is a permanent material, but um, and also it's inert material. It doesn't cause any inflammation or infection. But um, the plugs are not necessarily permanent, permanent. We can always remove them if we want to. And sometimes they just fall out on their own. We try the tear duct plugs after we have tried long enough and hard enough to make the patient produce more tears. So after a, a while, for example, two to three months on prescription eye drops, if the patient still has dryness symptoms and ocular surface staining, like corneal staining, then we um, basically offer tear duct plugs in order to prevent the loss of the tears through the ducts. So these are not the secretion ducts that are from the um, uh, lacrimal glands. These are just the drainage ducts. By putting the plugs into the drainage ducts, we stop the drainage into the nose and throat and keep the tears on the eye surface um, to increase the moisture. It's just wow. the office procedure. You know, it's not painless, but it's just a pinch um, and reversible. And, and I, and I want to add that I have had this done. Again, to our listeners, it is very easy. It's in the office. It doesn't hurt. They put a little drop in your eye to numb your eye. They insert it and it is very helpful. How does it help you? How did it help you, Beth? It keeps, you know, when Dr. Akpat said it's a plug in the tub, that's exactly right. So it keeps more fluid on the surface of your eye. And it, so it adds to a comfort level for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was, I found them to be very helpful. And they'll last as long as they are in your eye and they don't well, go away until they you do take pop them out. out. They do. That was my... Sometimes they pop out and I, um, I wasn't even aware that they had popped out. And sometimes the doctor will look and say, oh, they're still in there. I'm totally unaware that that's how <laughs> harmless yeah. they are, but extremely helpful, extremely helpful. Yes, I find them very helpful as well. And I have a moderate case of dry eye and I have tear oh. duct plugs myself. Yes, they oh. are very helpful to keep the moisture on the eye surface. And how does it feel differently when there's moisture on the eye surface and there isn't? How would it, it doesn't hurt? No. Your eye doesn't hurt. So when your eye is so dry and it, it feels scratchy, it feels like there's sand on your eye. If you have a dry eye, boy, you know these symptoms. It, it's really, um, it's more than annoying. It's, it can be painful. It so keeping painful. your eye surface, um, uh, keeping liquid fluid on the eye surface is really a help. Wow. You know, because I'm so curious, while I haven't cried for 10 years, I also haven't had tremendous pain or discomfort on my eyes, other than the fact that the, my vision, my color and contrast and clarity has gone downhill from the optic neuropathy. But I can't say that I have that sandy or scratchy feeling. 
But as I was explaining, what can you happen? Oh, past. Yeah. You've already passed it, Kathy. Yes, you might have. Hopefully, hopefully not. Hopefully not. But, hopefully not. But um, you might have passed this stage of pain. After yeah. long-standing inflammation and dryness on the eye surface, corneal sensitivity decreases. You develop this condition called NK or um, neurotrophic keratopathy. You no longer feel the pain. But that is worse because then um, you basically cannot be diagnosed unless um, you know a provider stains the ocular surface. That's the only way because it doesn't show during routine slit lamp exam. Wow. Yeah. Boy, have I learned a lot. And, this, and that may session. explain some of your vision issues, Kathy. Oh my That's God. Curious. That's yes. an excellent comment. Exactly. Exactly my point. Yes. It may not be all optic nerve. It may be dryness. It may be surface issues. Yes. I'll find out. Yep. Yes. We'll find out. Thank you. Yes. So Dr. Akpak, do you do in-office procedures to alleviate extreme dry eye? I'm not talking about the punctal plugs, but for people who have conditions that are even beyond the punctal plug stage, can you talk about those kind of procedures? Yes, yes. We, we do offer um, in-office procedures, um, including, for example, lid warming procedures like Lipiflor or um, IPL, uh, intense pulse light treatment or even mammalian gland probing. Um, those procedures are helpful in patients with evaporative dry eye um, in order to basically um, correct the uh, production or, or um, uh, the flow of uh, mabum, which is the top layer, the oily layer of the tear film. Without mabum, it's like sebum. Uh, without mabum, uh, tear film would evaporate into air fast, and that could create a uh, um, dry eye condition. Even if you make enough tears, even if you produce enough tears, um, if they evaporate fast because of lack of oil, that still creates a, a dry eye condition. Yes, we offer them, but um, there are a couple of things that I want to say about the um, uh, in-office procedures. Um, first, they usually hurt. They're not like, um, it's not like going to a spa or anything. So patients need to be um, prepared for the discomfort. And second, unfortunately, there's a lot of insurance coverage issue. And these uh, procedures are expensive. Uh, I know that Medicare covers some of the procedures, but a lot of the times it's out-of-pocket expense. And that um, unfortunately creates a barrier for the patients. Which is a shame. That's really a shame because, mm, as you say, so. I mean, this is um, really controlling. Uh, it could be site controlling um, to have that oil that would come out of the glands onto the surface of the eye, which I guess keeps the tears functioning on the surface. Is that correct, Dr. Akpat? Absolutely, yes. Hmm. So hmm. I guess the, the big question is, is there a cure? Can we eliminate dry eye? This is an interesting question because for the longest time, we used to think that um, there is no cure for dry eye, but maybe there is. I have had patients, um, if we treat uh, patients at a younger age before the dry eye becomes self-sustaining 
um, enters into that vicious cycle um, situation, it could be actually curable with aggressive treatment. Like any other autoimmune disease, after a long um, and hard treatment, also some mild to moderate dry eye can go away when a patient, for example, retires, when they no longer have to use their eyes and and if they live in an environment like, I don't know, in a state where there's adequate moisture in the air, humidity in the air, um, I think, uh, I mean, I don't know if you would call it necessarily cure, but they might not require treatment any longer. So yes, but that's not very common. So we need to move to Florida. <laughs> we all should, <laughs> yes. There's lots of humidity. Um, that's right. As opposed to, um, so as opposed to being in a windy environment where the tears are just sort of whipped off our eyes. Oh yeah, yes. Yes. So Dr. Akpat, do you have any parting advice for our listeners? Well, don't take dry eye lightly. Yeah. It might mean that your medication um, regimen needs to be adjusted. It might mean that you might have an underlying disease for it, or it might mean that it's the main uh, reason for why you have fluctuating or blurred vision. So I think if you feel that you might have dry eye, you should definitely see a provider. But if you belong to a, a group of patients who might be at risk, you should also see, even if you have no symptoms, you should see a provider. For example, patients who take glaucoma medications, patients who are on anti-high um, uh, blood pressure medications, patients mm -hmm. post, post-menopausal women, um, autoimmune diseases, um, diabetes, etc. There are a lot of patients that need routine check for dry eye. Very good advice, Dr. Very Dr. good Dr. advice. Thank you. Dr. Akpak, I want to thank you so much for being a guest today on It Happened to Me. It really, we've learned so much about dry eye, and this is Absolutely. a condition that affects sight. It's truly important that you get really good care, which Dr. Akpak has talked about. You've really helped eliminate this topic for all of us, and I want to thank you. Thank you, Beth, and thank you, Kathy, for the thank opportunity so to speak much. here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of It Happened to Me. We encourage you to learn more at ithappentomepod.com. Please use the contact form on our website to submit your guest suggestions, comments, questions, ideas, and feedback for the show. You can also email us directly at ithappentomepod at gmail.com. We would really appreciate it if you can leave us a five-star rating and review on your podcast app like Apple or Spotify. This helps others in the rare disease and medical challenge community find us. It Happened to Me is created and hosted by Kathy Gillenhorn and Beth Glassman. I'm Kira Deneen from DNA Today, and I serve as our executive producer and marketing lead. Amanda Andrioli is our associate producer. Ashlyn Anokian is our graphic designer. And remember, it happened to me. I'm not alone, and neither are you.